Hello friends, my name is Steve and this is Steve Talks Books. It is Saturday, so that means it is Short Story Saturday, and this Saturday I'll be reading a story from an author and friend, Jeff Lane. Uh, Jeff is one of the first authors I connected with when I started creating content on YouTube, if you want to call it that, and uh, we became friends. We've uh, discussed, uh, you know, different television shows, we've discussed his books, we've discussed other books, uh, we've had just a, a great time. And I'm honored to call Jeff a friend. He's a great person and has made this whole experience very, uh, very enriching and very fun. So he was also the first author that I, that I interviewed and made that experience so enjoyable I decided to keep going. <laughs> so, so blame Jeff for all those interviews. So this week I'll be reading A Message Across the Universe. And this is a story that he sent to me. It's a little bit longer than the stories I've read before. So it might be a little bit uh, of a challenge for me. This is a little bit longer than I'm usually used to. So bear with me. And at the end, when I'm done reading this with the story, I'll read an author's note that Jeff sent along with the story just to pr provide some context for the story. So uh, stay tuned for that after the story is finished. So this is a message across the universe. He woke up confused at first, which was normal. He soon regained his senses and the realization of where he was. The ship's computer had started replaying the alien's message well before consciousness had returned. That's what anchored him. The sound of the message immediately gave him the familiar sense of peace and wonderment. This feeling, blossoming deep within him, was helpful, somewhat, in counteracting the painful physical sensations that always accompanied waking from cryogenic hypersleep. The alien communique was looping around to the beginning once again. He was glad. Not that there was any part of the message that he didn't like. It was just that somehow the first few words, if you can call them that, always brought a rush of joy as he remembered the first time he heard them, the first time he heard an alien voice. He had cried. Where does a troll? Wing rock, like in this, when a dinner, pay a book, that's a good build, lehas, that's a bar, where, cross, the, un, yivos. He recited, saying the nonsense words along with the recording as he prepared himself to sit up for the first time in over 100 years. Once he was vertical, he rested for a few moments, letting the effects of the sedative using to prolong his unconsciousness state through the worst of the cryogenic wake-up process ebb away. He took a few deep breaths as the alien message emanated from the ship's speakers and flowed around him. Pulsaf, saw ra, wisef, joya, drift, ingraline, oi, pen, men, pose, essing, andacha, essing, deme, he would only be awake for what would be the equivalent to less than half a full day back home. This would allow him to do a full maintenance check on the ship. He would ensure his consumables inventory was on schedule, check the ship's trajectory and speed, as well as inspect the ship's logs to determine if there was any damage to the ship caused by impacts from micrometeorites or the like. The message would loop and play throughout most of his tasks. Im, is golf, bro, can like, rich. Donald's me, four, me, Mika, me, Louise's. 
If there was damage that threatened the ship and it could be repaired, his waking period would be extended. He doubted that would happen. It hadn't been the case in any of his previous four wake cycles. Wait, was this his fifth wake cycle? The thrill fluttered throughout his whole body. This was the last maintenance wake cycle. The next time he woke from his cryogenic slumber, he would be the alien's planetary system, decelerating as he approached the planet that sent the original message centuries ago. They tell me, cross the evos. All the old questions he pondered countless times since originally hearing the extraterrestrial transmission came spinning through his mind again. Would the original being that crafted this message then sang and spoke it still be alive? Fangin, dreamy, oh, penitentes, ins. They, of course, had no knowledge of this alien's race psychology or lifespan, but he knew it was probably too much to hope for that the author still be alive. The message had crept across space at light speed for hundreds of years, at least by how they measured a year back home. Then, of course, there would be endless years of analysis and preparation, discussions and debate, before his mission finally got underway. In fact, he was just a child when this beam of sound and symphony was first detected by scientists of his world. What an amazing announcement this was, when the entire planet first got to hear the scratchy strains of this wondrous otherworldly greeting. Speculation ran wild as to what it meant. Some thought it was a foreshadowing of doom, a message that an invasion force was not far behind. Others said it was by accident, just a meaningless garble of nonsense, which is certainly what this sounded like. Still, the vast majority took it for what he also believed it was, a message of peace and beauty. How could anyone not hear the hope and love in this messenger's voice? His journey had taken a painfully long time. It was preceded by a beamed message of their own, a greeting back to that distant world. Who knew how the aliens would receive it? Their own language would probably be understood by the aliens as much as they themselves had understood the aliens, which is to say, not at all. Not that the scientists and academics hadn't tried. In the end, most agreed that there were actually two distinct languages contained within the messages. They tell me, Cross the is The messenger had probably produced some of the message through a vocal configuration much like their own, by passing air through his throat and through the oral cavity, which is separated and manipulated by different sounds and pronunciations. There were some interwoven sounds that were produced either mechanically or with implements or part of the messenger's body. One theory was that they were actually two separate messages adding their own communications to the mix. For some reason, Though there was no actual proof of this, he pictured four such aliens working together in love and harmony. He floated down the halls of the immense ship, inspecting, logging, and completing all of his assigned tasks. He reflected, not for the first time, of how large the ship was considering it only had one messenger. Most of the ship's bulk was there to carry the consumable fuel and life-sustaining materials he ensured to make it safely across the cosmos, to which would be his final destination. It was weird, though, knowing that you were going to die on a different planet from that which you were born. Not that he expected to come to a violent and bloody end. No, that seemed like such a silly impossibility, given how benevolent and wonderful a message this far world had created and sent across the reaches of deep space. His ship, however, was a one-way conveyance. Once he reached that small blue planetary body, the third planet out from the system star the ship would be all used up. 
unless the aliens of this world had the resources to repair and refuel his ship for a return flight, or could bring him back in some marvelous conveyance of their own, he was stuck there. Limat, las und, ying, love, wenching sar und, min la kaja, mil, yun sons. Not that he really thought of it as being stuck. He was sure he would spend the rest of his life in awe and wonderment exploring this amazing culture that had reached out to his own in friendship. Also, because of his cryogenic hibernation periods on this long voyage, anyone and anything he actually felt any connection to was since long gone. Centuries ago, in fact. Not to mention, a return ship, even if one were possible, would take likely just as long, doubling the time he had been away from home. Who knew what changes the nations and civilizations of his planet would have gone through in the intervening centuries? He would be returning to a world almost as alien as the one to which he was currently heading. As he went about his chores and tasks, meticulously noting all the ship's statuses and consumable levels, his mind wandered. Even though he knew it was likely a foolish dream, he fantasized about meeting this messenger. Perhaps all the messengers that had added their parts to this marvelous form of communication. Certainly they have to be revered as leaders and great contributors to their society. Perhaps, like him, they would have their natural lives extended by means of cryogenic sleep, maybe even expressly for this purpose of being awoken upon arrival. One could dream, right? It's Kandatsunzimi Ondendadada Cross D Yun Evos. Certainly the main messenger, the one who lent his words and voice to reach out across the stars, would be valued protected. No society brilliant and peaceful enough to send this message would ever let this individual come to harm. Ja, garu, de, va, omi, ne, things gonna, changes, maywald. With his maintenance duties done, the traveler subjected himself to the myriad of medical diagnostics required in his mission plan. Then all of his official responsibilities were done, save one. He floated around the empty ship, eating meals that were tasteless and bland, after all, they had been prepared centuries ago by people long since dead. He checked the communique and updates from his homeworld. They were also old. Since he was traveling slightly slower than the speed of light, the transmissions were delayed, but still caught up to him as he crawled noiselessly across the void. Checking these news updates was an optional part of his wake cycle. Anything deemed urgent or necessary was input into the ship's maintenance log. This information was basically well wishes from home, news, events, and the like. No. Things gonna changes Maywald. There had been debate among mission psychologists before he left whether these types of communications would be helpful or not to his overall mental state. The fact that they were optional also meant he could skip this part of the wake cycle routine if he wished. No. Things gonna changes Maywald. And he did have to admit it was a bit unsettling to digest these words from people born well after you, and already long since dead by the time you received them. On top of that. He felt as if he had only been on this journey for about six days. Time had ceased having any real tangible meaning to him. Well, all of that would change the next time he woke and prepared to lay his eyes on that wonderful new world he was heading toward. Perhaps he would even fulfill the dream that had given his life one central focus for as long as he could remember. Meet the brilliant messenger who had inspired him from his childhood. Ja, Garul, De, Va, Omi. It took a very special candidate to even be considered for this history-making mission. Against all odds, he had beaten out all competition and been chosen as a representative for his planet to be sent on this one-way journey of peace and exploration. 
Of course, for every one person that wanted to go, there were also many that thought of this as a crazy suicide mission, which meant leaving everyone and everything in your life behind forever. That aspect was practically a non-issue for him. Growing up an orphan means you have very few deep attachments. In fact, it was probably one of the factors that drove him to the short list of candidates. Not that he was a friendless, emotional cripple. No, he had friends and lovers throughout his life, but none of them compared to the messenger. The messenger was really just a friend he had not met yet, a friend he was more intimately connected to than anyone he had actually met in his home world. Ja, Gaul, De, Va, Omi. As his mandatory waking period came to an end, he floated back to the cryogenic sleep chamber. For the last time, he reminded himself. He was so excited he didn't know how he was going to sleep, sedatives or not. He settled back to his activated sleep cycle. He, me- he immediately felt the drowsiness come over him. The ship would automatically cease playing the message sometime after he was unconscious. He smiled to himself as he realized he had finally timed it just right. He was drifted off just as the fading sounds of the alien message played to a peaceful and inviting end. Ja, Gaul, De, Va, Omi. The author's note that Jeff included on the story is, On February 24, 2008, NASA, with the permission of Yoko Ono, Paul McCartney, and Apple Records, beamed the Beatles song across the universe into deep space. NASA utilized a 70-meter dish in the Deep Space Network's Madrid Deep Space Communication Complex in Spain. The transmission was aimed at the star Polaris, the North Star, some 431 light-years away from Earth. The song, though credited to both John Lennon and Paul McCartney, was primarily authored by Lennon. Quote, The words are purely inspirational and were given to me, except for maybe one or two where I had to resolve a line or something like that. I don't own it. It came through like that. John Lennon.